Welcome, everybody. We're really, really excited to have you back. This is This is Hard by Parenting Naked Collaborative. Today, we have Gretchen Levy here, who's doing some computer stuff that just caught me off guard. We're all on Zoom today. <laughs> We're all on hey, Zoom everybody. today. Um, that was Danon. So we do have Danon Moore and Gretchen Levy here. Um, due to COVID and the, the new restrictions, um, we're just being very mindful. And so we're each in the comforts of our own homes and um, trying Zoom. So hopefully the recording will go okay. Um, Danan, who's our tech guru, um, she's helping us out with that. So that's really exciting. And ironic, we're gonna be talking about uh, technology and um, other social medias. Uh, when it comes uh, to what we're being impacted and inf influenced by. And definitely, I know remote learning and Zoom and stuff is on everybody's radar these days. Um, so I'm excited to talk about this. So I'm going to hand it over to Danan. Hi, everybody. So I don't know if you've had an opportunity or have seen this advertised on Netflix, but there is a new documentary out called The Social Dilemma. Um, I don't want to give away the whole story, but we are going to be talking about some of the pieces that came up in that and specifically kind of how they relate to my world with two teenage boys nearly grown and out of the house and then how it trickles down onto um, Misty and her children and their age group um, and then down a little bit further to Gretchen where her kiddos are just kind of probably, I don't know scratching the surface with technology so um I, it'll I just be kind of fun that, but they actually both have ipads so oh okay so good <laughs> yeah. we're gonna they should be just scratching the surface but they're down the wormhole into technology already yeah it happens yeah yeah i mean even at you know at probably around three or four months i think there's a lot of us who download apps or like making noises for the kids or rattles mm -hmm. or you know mm -hmm. pushing it and bubbles will pop and they're hooked like the kids are are hooked they're like oh there's this little magic box that has things for me to do and it's colorful and makes noises and uh yeah it's a slippery slope <laughs> what, is. what age group do you you readily hand over your phone or your iPad, um, you know, and, and of course this goes down the bigger rabbit hole of, you know, how much screen time do you let your kids have, but we're not going to touch on that or talk about that <laughs> in particular today because that's a whole, whole different topic. Um, but yes, yeah, so another you, full episode. Exactly. And also, <laughs> I think that that's like shifting now that we're in this pandemic, like, mm -hmm. you know, our I think even even this the like the most rigid parents around technology and protection from technology have given into it now mm -hmm. that they're you know well, what do you your kids are home all the time how do we entertain them when we can't go out into the world and do the things that we normally do not saying yeah. it's a good solution but I'm saying I think that there's a lot of that happening oh 100 percent 100 percent is happening I mean because yeah. uh, there's many people out there who are still working full-time and they're working full-time at home and so you can't always have activities out and entertaining the kids all the time and you know we've got kind of the spectrum in our neighborhood we have some kids whose parents literally will not let them inside the house no matter what the weather is and I feel like that is 
neglectful and harmful in some ways. Um, like the kids literally are not being allowed into the house because wow. the parents are working um, and they're out nice. there in 90 degree weather, 100 degree weather or 30 degree weather. And they are only allowed to go in to go to the bathroom and get food. Or you've got oh, people man. on the other end of the spectrum who aren't making sure that their kids are even going outside for days <laughs> at an oh, end. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's a spectrum. I think we're all trying to do the best that we can. But kind of going back to the social dilemma, uh, Danan had mentioned this several months ago, I think when it re recently came out. And I had not looked at it on Netflix just uh, because it's not something that I would typically tap on to watch. And then a couple weeks ago, um, after Danan had said, hey, I really want to talk about this, I watched it. And it just hit me in the pit of my stomach, <laughs> the, the pit of my stomach and just feeling like, oh, oof. Um, and, and really kind of looking at the people who are saying social media has a moral dilemma, right? They have yeah. this moral obligation to do better for people in society. And I think with the elections, we have seen the manipulation and so much of the divide politically happening because of the social dilemma, you know, and, and the algorithms and stuff. So, but I don't want to go too much into that because I want <laughs> Danan to take the lead. So, yeah. So some of the things that I really kind of took away from that um, with our boys and the age they are now, because I don't control screen time. I make recommendations. Of course, we have a rule an unspoken rule in our house that we don't bring technology to the table for dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, Sean, my husband is the worst though. He generally is the only one to break that rule almost every night. So oh, he, <laughs> he's definitely the one that's hooked on uh, social and technology. But anyhow, um, in the social dilemma, there is a character who is kind of asked to, or um, tapped into putting his cell phone down and mm -hmm. how long could he actually have it kind of away from him in his possession. And so I, I started there with the boys and I just really wanted to kind of get an idea of what, what could they really do? How long could they really live without their technology? Mm -hmm. um, I think had we not been in coronavirus season, amid this pandemic, my answer or the boys' answers would have been very different. But yeah, because probably. of the pandemic, they are feeling like they're di more disconnected from their peers. Mm -hmm. They don't get to have as much interaction with their peers, obviously. And so both boys, Andrew and Carter, 19 and 17 years old, felt like maybe a week to a week and a half is the longest they could go without having their cell phone but they would be devastated if they knew they couldn't like recover their technology. So if their cell yeah. phone broke or their computer broke or their iPad or whatever they're using broke mm -hmm. and they didn't have access to that, they do feel like that would have caused more anxiety and panic knowing that if they committed to not having it in their lives for a week to a week and a half, they would definitely want it as soon as that time was up. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And a lot of, um, a lot of their concerns where they just feel so disconnected right now that they wouldn't want to have that in their lives right now. They'd want to stay yeah, connected. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting, as you just said that, I remember listening to a research study, I think something that NPR had done. Um, and they were, they had done a study about like what 
the average adult slash kind of into people like adult 18 and, and over um, in that age group, I think it was for with the millennials. I apologize. I don't know. I just, I'm remembering this briefly, but they had listed like, what are the top 10 most stressful things? And I think the, the, the most stressful thing that people said that could happen to them was losing their cell phone. And it was honestly above losing a family member. And I remember being super shocked by that or being lost, like being lost in the forest um, with like no food and water for a week. They had rated not having their cell phone or technology to be more of a stressor in their life than losing a family member or being lost. And I was blown away. I was blown away by this. Um, And just, you know, how reliant people have become not just on social media, but it's their connection to email. It's their connection to friends and family. It's our mapping system to get us from one place to another. But I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg about how much we rely on these things. Can I ask you guys a question? Mm -hmm. Uh, Of the people that you call regularly, how many of their phone numbers do you actually know if you had to write them down? One. Me too. My husband. My husband's. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know four. Well, that's four good. is probably it. Yeah. yeah. That's good. But I mean, can you remember the days when you had to like run home from school if you wanted to call mm-hmm. a friend to like mm-hmm. arrange something to meet up? Or this is mind boggling to me to think about is remember the days when you would make a plan to meet somebody at a restaurant and you just showed up yeah (laughs) like there wasn't any way Uh to like tell them I'm not gonna make it or I'm running 15 minutes late or like there wasn't ability to do that like that moment to moment like communication and somehow Mm -hmm. we still ended up in the same place (laughs) like for the dinner like it still worked I, I, I always think of that for some reason just we are so dependent but yet Things used to function without these devices in our pockets. Exactly. I know. I kind of miss those days. So, all right. Looks like, Misty, you're stuck. You're in Zoom purgatory right now. (laughs) Shoot. Maybe she'll be able to log back. pop back up. Yeah. I'll chatter. You know what? What I loved back in the day is when we had to share the phone with our siblings or our parents and you had the phone, the long phone cord, you wanted a private call and you'd kind of try and get that cord to stretch all the way to a closet or the bathroom so you could have a private call. Mm -hmm. Those were fun days. Or like (laughs) um, you would get like a romantic interest would call or whatever and you could hear on the other line like they would pick it up and then they'd call across the house like crash iron phones for you and you'd pick it up (laughs) but you could hear that somebody was also like on the other end the other end of the house like trying to get a hint of what was going on yep (laughs) I know you'd always be shouting at your sister or brother whoever it was to get off the phone I'm on it right now yeah (laughs) so cute Super cute. Well, so another question I posed to the boys was what one habit with their technology would they want to change if they really focused on it? And 
Carter again said right now, it's just too hard to even think about changing those habits because we're stuck inside. But he thought that, you know, when the time comes, he definitely wants to do less socializing on um, social media and more in-person encounters with his friends. And then this was an interesting one with Andrew. He gets himself stuck in the habit of watching streamed television. And so he said, if he could just kind of lay off the binge watching, that's probably where he would um, like to change one of his habits with the use streaming? of technology. Sorry, is he streaming mm -hmm. the shows on his phone? No, but we, you know, our broader conversation was about cell phones and the use of technology. And so Andrew is a little tech guy. He will have his iPad out, his desk, or not his desktop, his laptop out, and his phone. He'll have all three devices sitting at the table with him. He might have one going for school, and then he might have one streaming. And what he'll do is he'll do school for a while, and then right now, his version of a break is to watch something funny on Netflix or Hulu or whatever he's streaming from. But what happens then is he's got himself hooked into these shows that he finds he's wasted, you know, hour and a half to three hours just watching some silly television because he can't actually just close his iPad or close his computer down. He's just kind of hooked into all of it right now. So, yeah. Hi, Misty. Hi. Sorry. <laughs> my computer's doing weird things. I'm back. That's <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. So, um, Let's see. I also asked the boys how many times a day they check into Instagram or Snapchat. Snapchat kind of is the thing and then Instagram for entertainment. But myself, I think this is tough. I wish I had a girl in the house because I think it would have been a little bit different had we talked to a teenage girl versus a teenage boy. But mm -hmm. Carter, he says he checks into Snapchat probably 15 to 20 times a day. And he's more likely to check in when he's in the middle of a conversation with a friend or a group of friends trying to come up with a plan or, you know, they're up to something in a group. Um, and then Andrew, he thought he only checked into his social media accounts maybe five to seven times a day, which I, I was surprised. I feel like yeah. if I grew up during these years with this kind of technology so accessible, I think I would have... I'd be checking my Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram. I don't, every five minutes, I don't think I'd be able to put it down. I think I'd have a terrible mm -hmm. time separating from what, what's everybody doing? What do they think? Who's wearing what? what what's yeah. the latest in hair fashion? And I don't know. I, so, well, <laughs> to be fair, Andrew is such a cool kid. And, and not to say that uh, other teenagers aren't cool kids, but I, I think Andrew really is kind of an anomaly. And the fact that yeah. like, he, he doesn't walk that mainstream that a lot of kiddos do. So I, mm. I would think that Carter would probably land more in like that bell curve of yep. like the average, you know what I mean? And, and Andrew would fit more in this like 5% where he's just like, yeah, you know, I like it, but I have better things to do. Um, yeah. you know, and he's, yeah, but no, I, I appreciate yeah. the answer, but I just want to, for our listeners. Yeah. For our listeners, Andrew is 19, but going on probably 35. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Carter is 17 going on, you know, maybe a real mature 17. So yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Very accurate. Both sweet, super sweet. But yes, Andrew always blows me away. It's like, yeah, you're talking to a 30 year old with him. Yeah. And then with <laughs> Carter, he brings you back down to earth of like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what 17 year olds are up to these days. <laughs> yeah. But still interesting. So, yeah. God, 15 to mm-hmm. 20 times. And you think about that and then pulling it back to ourselves, like, um, just scrolling, like I don't post a lot. I, well, I never really post on Instagram just because I don't know how to use it as well. Um, and I have not been posting as much on Facebook, but I'll definitely scroll. I'll scroll every, every day. Um, and maybe on average five to seven times a day, it's definitely more at night. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like before I go to bed just to, to catch up, but yeah, it seems pretty normal, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I think I've got a, a problem. I think I want to say five to seven times, but I bet yet if I tracked it, it would be higher. Mm-hmm. And I waste a lot of time on social media and I use it 100% as a voyeur. <laughs> I, I probably post like six to 10 posts a year. Uh huh. Yeah, I you like, don't post a lot. I don't post anything. I just mm-hmm. look at other people's shit. It's just yeah. so weird. But I mean, it's so crazy when you think about it that I'm just trolling around looking at people's lives. Yeah. I'm not actually using it as like a connection point because I'm not contributing anything. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's a, like I'm trying to have like a two way conversation. I'm just peeking. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and how many people do that? A lot. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's me too. I don't post a whole lot. I just um, kind of check in to see what everyone's up to, which doesn't make any sense. It should be a two way street. If I want to know what they're doing, maybe they want to know what I'm doing. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. <laughs> and, and just a little caveat. Uh, that's probably why you don't see us posting a lot on our social medias e- either for this is hard. Uh, the, you know, our podcast, like all the time, I'm like, oh, I should update it, you know, because other people do. But like in real life, if we're not even doing it for ourselves socially, it's hard to do it. So yeah. we apologize if some of you are really looking forward to more of our posts. Danan is getting on top of it, though, like all the amazing <laughs> things you're seeing right now. It's all Danan doing that. So um, it's not because we don't like you guys. It's because we're just not on it as much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, So another thing that kind of stuck with me on the social dilemma was how emotionally involved do we get when things seem to have gone poorly for somebody we are associated with on our social media feeds? And talking to the boys, of course, Andrew says, I don't, I can't think of a time where I really kind of felt that was real heavy and I carried it with me. But this was an interesting response for Carter. At the beginning of the school year, um, before all the kids kind of knew whether or not they'd be in school with each other or if they were going to be quarantined, Mm -hmm. this big sex assault scandal came out through Snapchat involving many young gentlemen from the high school. And Carter is a highly empathic person. That's probably his number one strength is empathy. And so he began to absorb himself into this news to the point where he felt crushed for the victims. Mm. So what I can relate this to right now, if any parents are out there listening, 
we are inundated with this really heavy feeling from the news regarding COVID. And mm -hmm. as we record today, we're a week away from Thanksgiving. It's heavy. We're being told to isolate, stay at home with our immediate family, those that we live with, you know, only leave the house when we need a necessity, yada, yada, yada. We're all hearing kind of the same stuff. So I, I live with that news every day feeling like, oh my gosh, I am just, I'm anxious and I'm overwhelmed and I don't want to hear this anymore. And mm -hmm. so Carter kind of had those feelings, but for this situation of the sex assault scandal. And we're talking about probably 15 young men from the high school being outed on social media. And then not only were they outed, the victims were outed by mm. friends of them. So oh, wow. maybe a girl had a friend who knew she was a victim of one of these perpetrators. Yeah. And so it was just this really big snowball effect. And I don't understand the workings of Snapchat. I don't have a Snapchat account, but Carter felt like it was being pushed at him all day, every day in the evening. It, something new was coming up with this, but he really carried it with him physically and emotionally yeah. outside of technology. So Carter at the same time was, um, he started a new job and he's working at a little pizzeria. And then he started overhearing other young men in the pizzeria talking about their social encounters on the weekends or at parties. And he said he was just having this huge struggle to disassociate or disconnect those young men's behaviors at social gatherings versus the perpetrators that he saw mm, on geez. social media, that yeah. he had to really kind of make this decision to physically distance from some of that to kind of cleanse his system, if that makes mm -hmm. any sense. Oh, yeah. He just carried it. It was a huge burden. And I know it was a huge burden because he wanted to talk to me about it all the time. And he just felt like he needed support. So anytime we were at the dinner table, the breakfast table, in um, transition around the house, anytime we were crossing paths, there was a lot of conversation where he just needed comfort. And I don't, I think he needed counseling to know not every young man behaves like that. Oh yeah. But also the counseling to know that the compassion he's feeling towards the um, victims is a good compassion. That's mm -hmm. a healthy thing that, you know, he's heading in the right direction, Yeah. but that was just an interesting thing. I think talking about, um, what we take away from social media or the use of technology, sometimes we don't mean or intend for it to kind of consume us. And then here are things like that come up and it's extremely consuming. So yeah, that was, yeah. Oh gosh. What an intense time. My, my curiosity, were these assaults something that happened, they happened outside of social media? It wasn't like. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. So they just got outed on social kind media. Kind of similar to the Me Too movement for the high school. And what happened is one of the gentlemen was running for a student body, student council um, position. And that individual was one of the perpetrators, maybe at a summer event. I'm not too sure. 
And so somebody outed him and then it just started this big Mm -hmm. viral storm. Um, And then it seemed like all these kids were kind of intertwined and I don't know, they all had something going on and I'm not sure that they were all in cahoots, but some of them were, some of them weren't. But I think what it did, like the Me Too movement, it opened up this platform for people at the school to say, well, yeah, that's happened to me. And yeah, Yeah. that's happened to me by these well-known football players. That's happened to me by these well-known student body, student council um, figures. That's happened to me by, you know, other uh, leaders in the school. But then it sounds like it was taken a step further. Like one student goes, well, it didn't happen to me, but it happened to this person and outing that victim, whether they were ready to be outed or not. So now it just opened up that Mm -hmm. can of worms for the person that maybe was not feeling safe to talk about it very publicly. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And with Snapchat, I mean, unless you screen save or screenshot it, it's gone. Right. And it's hearsay. Yep. And and that's Mm -hmm. the problem with the social media in that context, especially with Snapchat. Um, That was one of the largest issues with the investigation. So of course it had to go to the school district. It had to go to the police department. Um, It even went on to some of the local colleges where some of these big football players transferred Uh to after their senior year. Mm -hmm. Well, because it was on Snapchat, there was not much to go back on. And and unfortunately, and I think this is a whole nother topic someday, if you are a victim of some assault, the sooner you can say your story, the sooner you can go get help, the sooner you can turn somebody in, the better for everybody. Because who knows, I don't, I am assuming and speculating all of these assault cases were confirmed later because people were outing them on social media much, much later, you know? Yeah. So it was unfortunate. I think it really put a lot of salt in wounds um, Mm -hmm. and brought up, you know, all those emotions and and bad feelings again without any resolve, without any resolve. Yeah. Well, and it just, it, it parallels, right? Like this is so parallel to what's happening in our, in our culture, in our society, in our world right now, right? I mean, you've got all the politics that are happening right now and you've got people outing other people. I mean, it just seems like it's not just in, in the high school setting, but it's happening in the adult world and you're seeing it being twisted and manipulated on social media everywhere. And that's where the ethical dilemma comes in, right? The social dilemma of do we out people because we're trying to have a voice for them and we're really doing it to protect them, but we're hurting them because they don't want to be outed. Are we accusing people, you know, outwardly because we want them to get in trouble, but we're doing it behind the safety of our phone or behind the safety of our computer. And yeah, it definitely opens the door to a whole, a whole different world of um, legality and just her and where, how far do we take it on social media? Yeah. yeah. Well, then the, the thing with the social media too, is how many things get misconstrued, mm-hmm. blown out of proportion. Um, I thought this was an interesting story was talking to my friend who does have a teenage daughter. She's a senior in high school this year. And when, um, all of the LGBTQ stuff had kind of come up and, you know, the uh, 
movement to be more equal and whatnot, you guys are going to know this a whole lot better than I do. She had a transgendered friend who was one of her dearest friends cut her off from being friends with them because on her social media feed, this particular friend felt like she was not diverse or um, understanding of their situation. Mm. And so it, this all went through social media. She lost a really good friend and is still pretty devastated by it because of something that maybe went awry on social media. Something was not spoken. Somebody jumped to a conclusion, whatever. But I thought that was interesting too. I felt like we lose so many things in translation because we didn't even have a real genuine conversation. Mm -hmm. We're losing that piece of our lives too, to, to take a minute to see somebody in person and not jump to conclusions because we read a seven sentence or a seven word comment on social media. And then we speculate what that might've meant. So yeah, I don't know. And how, how impulsively do people write on there and just hit post, right? And then like a week later, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, ooh, <laughs> I don't really feel that way anymore. That's kind of resolved itself, but it's already out there. <laughs> it's already out there. Yeah. Like, when people will like, yes, just put their laundry out there. Oh my gosh. I had a yeah. cousin that like got mad at her childcare provider or something and just like slandered them on her, a Facebook post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I get you're mad, but a, like, I don't care that this is whatever interpersonal conflict you're having. <laughs> Please don't bring me into this. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, it just, I don't know. I don't know what my point is, but like why the need to, it's almost like people use it as a weapon. Oh, 100%. Like, or like their know. personal diary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. There's a, again, I was listening to a clip of NPR, but there's this guy who just wrote a book called The Parasitic Mind that uh, just looks super intriguing, but he talks about Munchausen's uh, specifically. And he says that Munchausen's, he feels, should be diagnosed more often now with social media because so many people will put out there, like, oh, I have no friends. I hate myself. Uh, you know, are these like big, scary, like statements that then other people will come and jump on and be like, oh my God, you're so loved. We love you so much. Like if you need help, I'm here. Um, But then that person's really sitting at home, like with their family and things are okay. Um, But they're doing this to get attention, right? Which is, you know, very loosely the definition of Munchausen's. And it's not Munchausen's by proxy. It's really they're wanting this or they're creating this world of my life is so bad in order to get more posts, to get more uh, support. And like, we really like you and care about you. And I see that often. Affirmation. Oh, <laughs> makes me so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it makes mean, me you so can definitely sad. see that with the posts of people's injuries. I don't know if you guys have ever come across this, but all of a sudden you'll be like looking through things, and you're like, oh, oh my god, what? Is, oh, mm-hmm. what is that? And it's like yeah. a close up <laughs> somebody's like fucking surgery site. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you putting that on social media? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly to garner attention and sympathy and um you know or yeah. you know, maybe I'm just like making it too malicious maybe people just want to update their loved ones 
And I think there's, yeah, I think their, their intentions are so different across the board, right? Yeah. Um, there's this one family and I didn't know them. I knew them, I mean, well, I didn't know them at all. It was like a friend of a friend, but uh, it was this uh, couple who had had a stillbirth and they took a whole bunch of pictures at the hospital of their baby who had passed away. Um, and, you know, you, ha you have to give birth, you have to give birth to the stillborn child. And it's so heartbreaking, but they took pictures. They took these pictures with the baby and they posted them. And there was so much uproar that people would post pictures of a dead baby and they got reported on Facebook and the family just said, we're grieving, we're grieving the loss. This is our child. Um, but people couldn't handle it. Right. And Are we I, not able to put some, say I go to an open casket viewing. Am I mm -hmm. not allowed to post a photo? I'm sure you're allowed to, but you're going to get pushback. Yeah. You're going to get people's opinions on it. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, I just felt so sad for this family because I'm like, this is part of their grieving process, but there are people out there who can't handle it. Right. Maybe people who yeah. have gone through a similar experience that are going on Facebook scrolling because they're trying to, you know, avoid thinking about it. And then all of a sudden it's like in their face again. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. I think we just all have to be mindful about what we're putting out there and, and the intent. And as we're scrolling, I think we have to look at why did, why would they post something like, is this person grieving? Are they excited? Are they happy and not project our values onto that? Because that's what's happening yeah. is we've got so could much they just, projecting. Yeah. Could they just use a little bit of care? Exactly. Support? Yeah. Cause this family yeah. just needed, we love you. We're so sorry yeah. this happened. We're so glad that you had this opportunity to even just hold hold this baby that you created yep. and but oh yeah it, it was ugly I was oh and finally it, it, so it ended up that they took it all down they ended and no. very angrily very angrily sure. um took it down and you know I just my heart went out to that I, I don't even know this family right like I I just happened to be scrolling but yeah I mean things like that you know back to the social dilemma of mm -hmm. social mm -hmm. media and what should we be posting and not posting and should we put it be putting everything out it should we use it as an outlet to out people to out ourselves yeah, yeah exactly mm -hmm. well so um going back to some more fun questions about this I asked our boys and you guys can chime in here too, because here, you know, you're already there, but what age should a child be allowed to have a phone? And so Carter, he says 11 to 12 years old, cause he was 11 or 12 when he got his first mm -hmm. phone. And he felt that was a good age because he wasn't too young and he was nearing his teens where he was becoming more independent. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's okay. Um, Looking back now, I kind of wish that we could hold off even longer, but mm -hmm. at, during those days when Carter or Andrew were, you know, approaching their preteens, we were very busy. We owned three bakery businesses and we were running around town. So there was a lot of transition for all of us. It was the only way I felt safe that the boys could get a hold of us if they mm -hmm. needed, needed something. And so yeah, so he thought that was a great age. Didn't think anything was wrong with it. And now I just feel 
maybe if I could hold off, but then I'd be the world's worst parent if I held off until they were older. But I don't know, 14, I'm not sure. I don't know. Cause they just feel like our lives do revolve around it. And then they become very expensive items that we have to have added to, you know, our household inventory and God forbid when the phone breaks, it's like we we're facing another 600 to a thousand dollar ticket item to go replace the stinking thing. So if I could wait a little bit later, uh, until they were a little older, Mm -hmm. possibly. Yeah. Um, and then Andrew, what was his answer? He, um, Oh, of course he had this mature answer. It depends on every child. (laughs) (laughs) See, It (laughs) (laughs) It depends on their social sphere. He said, you Mm -hmm. know, and their aptitude, their social aptitude. Mm -hmm. And then really, um, were they more of kind of a latchkey child? Are they going home to no parents in the afternoon? Are they rural? Are they urban? Um, he felt like, you know, maybe more of the urban children could live without cell phones because they were connected more closely to neighbors and mm-hmm. businesses and whatnot. So that was Andrew's question, uh, answer. And I thought that was funny. I mean, well, we need totally to invite him Andrew. on this show, right? <laughs> yes, we do. We're going to need to get his yeah. professional opinion here. Yeah. Um, well, I can, <laughs> I concur 100% with his answer. I mean, really, truly, I noticed because Zoe is 10. She's in fifth grade. And again, I always look at things on a spectrum or like the bell curve, right? Um, On average, I would say probably 50% of her cohort had cell phones um, for whatever reason. And they had like full-blown social media, all of that. And Randall and I kind of were choking on that. And we were like, "Mm -mm, we're not, we're not doing that. So we felt like we met her in the middle and we got, we gave her one of our old phones and we only let it um, be on Wi-Fi. She had to have internet and she could only have a Google voice phone number, period. Uh, and duo, Google duo. Those were like the two things we didn't let her get on any kind of social media. We still don't let her get on any kind of social media, but she was able to uh, Google duo her friends. So her friends that did have a phone, we asked their parents if they could have permission to, um, you know, FaceTime or not FaceTime, but Google uh, duo each other with that. And she was happy with that. She was totally satisfied. Uh, we are probably helicopter parents and don't really let her be at (laughs) home by herself, but if she wanted to like go to the park or something, she, um, started to need something that was like a true phone that wasn't just on Wi-Fi. So over probably like the last six months, we actually got her a phone with, with a plan, but again, we only allow her to make phone calls and do Google Duo with people that we know. I think we're letting her do the game Among Us right now, but we're sitting right next to her when she does it because I know that's a hot topic too. What but is it? I've never heard of it. Among Us? I don't quite yeah. know. Uh, okay. They're little figurines and you go in and you've got one person that is the killer and then the other people have to figure out who that killer is by evidence okay. and then you can... Yeah, kind of. Yes. Yeah. So the game is seamlessly harmless. What we've been reading about is that the people who are playing it can be pretty cruel. Um, There's a lot of bullying that happens. Um, So I think on any kind of game like that, that that's 
going to be something important and kind of float back to Danan, your original topic of there needs to be training on how to deal with bullying and dealing with that on these websites. Mm -hmm. And ironically, Randall and I were just talking about this last night because Zoe wants to download it on her phone. And he said, you know, there's bowling and stuff on that. And I said to him, we have to teach her how to mitigate that. We're going to have to teach her how to not engage and to just ignore that and know that these type of people exist and, and how, you know, and how not to get sucked in, sucked in on that. So I I think sometimes she's sad that we don't allow her on any kind of social media, but it's a hard no for me. Um, especially after watching the social dilemma, hard fucking no. Um, she can scroll on Facebook on mine because, um, I have it on private. I'm very selective who I'm friends with. Um, she's not allowed on Randall's. He's not private. He's a, a guy and his algorithm sent him <laughs> very different stuff than they send on mine. Um, she can scroll on my, my Instagram account because I, I mean, I think the most controversial thing um, that I have on there is the daily show. Um, when I say controversial, just because he's so liberal. <laughs> and so some people don't, don't want to, to hear his stuff. But Snapchat, she's only allowed to use mine. Um, so I see exactly what she's doing. Uh, and she just, you know, does that with family members. But Adler, who's eight, he does not give a shit. He's like, I don't want a phone. I don't need a phone. We recently got a house phone. So if we do run to the grocery store for like 10 minutes um, and he wants to call us, he can. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not an issue, I guess, right now for my That's household good. when it comes to that. Now, will it be? Maybe like if I, right. if we make a big deal out of it. Um, so Zoe, sometimes she'll say, you know, the next door neighbor who's a year younger has TikTok on, on her phone. And again, that's a hard no. Uh, she is not getting on TikTok. So she's got cousins who are her age who have TikTok and kind of, they kind of give her a hard time about it. They're just like, your parents don't allow you to have that lame. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want her to feel bad about that, but I'm like, yeah. I guess you can say that we're bad parents <laughs> and just tell them we're that. So yeah, mean. yeah, my parents suck. I guess your parents are a little bit more liberal with that, but yeah, if they ever come to us, I'm just like, Oh, their, their parents must be way nicer than we are. Sorry. Your parents are so hard, hard. No. <laughs> when do hard you no. think, when do you think you'll let Zoe have a Facebook account or Snapchat account or when what do you think that's going to be good like? question when she's 25 and she can pay for the phone. So no, <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, realistically, I think we can't, we can't protect them forever. Right. And, mm-hmm. and there are times when, you know, kids genuinely use it for the purpose of social connection. And there are people who do use it responsibly and it can be fun and in a way of connection. I don't know. I guess it depends back to Andrew's answer on, on her maturity level, right? Yeah. Like and how naive she is to some of these things when she's showing that she can be really mature about it and not being naive about some of these things. Um, and people who are asking to be her friends that she doesn't know who are maybe catfishing or whatever. I don't know. I would like to land maybe on 13, 14. Mm-hmm around that. Um, and I just want her to have really good self-esteem. So if she does post yeah. this selfie and she gets two likes that she doesn't go in this downward spiral of I'm ugly or I'm fat or I'm not good enough. Um, yeah, I really want yeah. her to feel confident and, oh God, there's so much that goes to that. Well, that's the other thing, like you said, I, that's where the boys are different. So I wish that we could have a better teen girl perspective here, but 
I think I'd be one of those teenagers. I'd post something and then how many people did like it? Did yep. they love my selfie? Did I, yep. at the end of the day, did I get enough people to like it and see mm-hmm. it that I feel, you know, approved of and valued? Mm-hmm. That's well, so sad. It's so I, heartbreaking yeah. to think about. Well, to be honest, I fall victim to it. Even at, at 42, like my sister is on Facebook all the time and social media and she, she has an open Facebook. So she has like a gazillion friends compared to like my 100 friends and she posts selfies all the time. And mm-hmm. I would say on average, she probably gets 50 likes on, on average. Like that's a bad day for her is if she <laughs> has 50 likes and on a good day, she'll get like, 300 likes and this is an awkward time to tell you how I'm trending on my TikTok (laughs) (laughs) I love that just kidding but it does say that right trending on TikTok I think I think that's the term (laughs) on TikTok or is that only the Insta I don't know uh, no, I TikTok. Yeah, I frown on it because my husband's on it all the effing time, and I'm like, get off of TikTok, man, or he'll send me shit. I'm like, I don't want this shit. Like, what you find is funny, I don't find is funny. Stop sending me stuff. I'm not on TikTok for a reason. <laughs> I just yeah. can't believe how that has replaced other things we used to do with our time. Oh yeah, that's I. I just don't understand that. If I get sucked into Facebook or. Instagram, which I really try not to do anymore. Um, I'll tell you why I was sucked into it back when I owned the businesses. Social media is a huge part of Mm -hmm. advertising. And so here I am for our listeners getting ready to go into owning and operating another food business. I'm going to have to get there again. And I really hope I have better boundaries with it this time, because you can just get so sucked into this wanting to know what the competition's doing. What does everybody look like? Yeah. Who, um, who's making what, what's going well, what's popular. I, and I'll look at that and I'll get to the end of, you know, logging in and think I just was on social media for an hour and a half and yeah. I could have been doing something so much more valuable with that time. And mm-hmm. so that's what drives me crazy about this use of social media where our, oh, yeah. we're missing out, our children are missing out. And, you know, mm-hmm. how can we, make that time back how can we get it back yeah well yeah because it dives into that slippery slope of unintentional neglect like we're not intentionally neglecting our children but if we really were to sit down and and uh, document how much we're really on the phone and maybe half-heartedly like interacting with our kids especially our young kids where they need us there's so much unintentional and intentional people are like, no, I'm reading this. Leave me alone. This is my time. And three hours goes by, um, you know, I, at my heart thinks sometimes to go, how many attachment concerns are we going to have with these littles who can't connect yeah. to people because they're on their phones or don't want to, because they're on their phones. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that there's going to be a backlash to all of this. You guys oh, yeah. heard it here. Hopefully I like, I don't know, I I get quoted or something um, and get some credit, but I do think that there will be a backlash. I think people are going to go back. I mean, if you look at like, you know, how big like the craft movement became and the DIY movement became Mm -hmm. artisanal things and farm to table things and people really getting back to basics, making something with your hands, you know? 
there was a big that was that's been a big thing it's still a big thing and i mm -hmm. think that we're going to get to a place of saturation with social media that people are going to do off grid it's not going to be tiny house living they're going to just say i'm fucking done i'm wiping yeah. my hands of this this is not healthy for me this doesn't give my life and i'm going to find a different hobby or Denon, to your point, a different way to use my time. And yeah. I think people are literally just going to unplug. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's happening with people who, and don't quote me on this, people like in their 40s and older are starting to look at their time a little bit differently, looking at family values a little bit differently, and hopefully shutting it down. Right. But I can't say that that's true and and i don't know i'm making shit up right now i'm not sure if that's true for the younger population right now right because yeah. they are so dependent on so many ways with that kind of stuff but i notice myself pulling away from it because i just don't want it in my life like especially with covid and stuff i want to be utilizing my time a little bit better than just being on screen time all the time right i want to be going for walks or on a bike ride or going for drives or interacting or cooking. I really want to be cooking and baking and not on that. So I'm hoping Gretch that you will be right. And there will be the swing um, and people just saying I'm done, like <laughs> done with fighting. I'm done with all the negativity. I'm done with feeling shitty because I got two likes from myself. Like I'm done. Like I don't need this in my life. Yeah. I think we're, we're in a position where it will be easier for our generation to do that because we know what it was like before, yeah. but for our teenagers and our uh, preteens to not really have ever experienced that routine or life without this kind of technology, mm -hmm. I don't know that they ever will, will know what it feels like to not be compared or comparing yeah. And to be plugged in, to be stimulated, overstimulated. Um, I don't know. Will they understand what it's like to be fully present? We know what it used to be like to be fully present mm -hmm. and we, we crave that and miss it. So I think it's easy for us to say, okay, nope, it's time. It's like going on a diet or setting mm -hmm. a new budget. It's time because I know what the reward or the value is in this. But I don't know if they'll ever understand what that is. I, what would the carrot be that we could dangle um, to help them make that separation? I don't know. I think yeah. it'll have to be a social pressure for the change. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like it, where people just get to a place where more people start disconnecting and then that is that becomes the thing, you know? It's like the new... Yeah. Here's the thing, ladies, a business idea for you. Maybe we just need to open camps and we have <laughs> unplugged camps, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can take them through psychotherapy and yeah. group therapy and all yeah. sorts of things with uh, being unplugged. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, well, have you heard? So somebody told me this yesterday. I'd never heard of this before, but there is this phenomenon happening where people, I think it's in, of course, everything starts in California, right? But um, they're doing these things called dopamine dumps, mm -hmm. where because of this like over, over input of dopamine through all of these like pleasure networks, social media being one of them, where you just scroll and scroll and scroll and consume and consume and consume, but then it starts to take more um, it's kind of like that addiction model to like fill up those receptors, right? Yeah. For you to experience pleasure. 
And so apparently they're doing these things called dopamine dumps where they go and they, they, they just, it's like pleasure deprivation. <laughs> so you can get back to a baseline so that you can actually start to experience pleasure from things that you should be able to experience pleasure from, but have lost any impact on you. Yeah. Yeah. Plateaued. I mm-hmm. thought that was really interesting. So this apparently is something that's happening. That would be cool. But people have to be willing to do it, right? So we've got to get people at least hooked on that. Like, oh, you know, yeah. like I enjoy going outside and going for a walk and connecting to nature. Oh, I don't need my phone. I don't need social media. I like the concept around it a lot. That yeah. would be great. I don't think it's rooted in any true science. <laughs> I mean, you need dopamine. So what? Well, like why you have to be devoid of pleasure for it sounds like a benedictine monk or something like what are you <laughs> i know what does that look like are you like in a, I mean, do you not, what i'm curious yeah put yourself in a dark room i, I don't know yeah i was thinking like uh, a storage unit or a cave <laughs> but here in the city probably just a storage unit without yeah. any electricity <laughs> no. it's just dark and quiet you're just yeah. left alone with your thoughts <laughs> like what do you eat of course that's where my mind goes immediately <laughs> no pleasure crackers <laughs> crackers and water <laughs> Like the unsalted, the unsalted crackers and water, (laughs) tap water, you know, or something like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's too fun. Well, that kind of segues back into the conversation we were having before recording this podcast, but Andrew had said he would love if in high school, there was a class Mm -hmm. that could teach about technology and social media boundaries, mental health, safety. Um, and then even technology tips and pointers. And so, you know, there's some food for thought for, you know, yeah. uh, our teachers, our educators. Um, yeah. well, it, I think it's it going to have to start and our parents. Absolutely. It has yeah. to be institutional, right? I think yeah. we have to create some kind of institutional model to um, start to support our growing youngsters and Gretchen, you with the little ones, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I can't even imagine because when I was raising Andrew and Carter, what we had to worry about was DVD players. My cell phone was not enticing to them. So I don't, I, I'm not sure that I had a flip phone, but it didn't do anything exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, So our kids grew up with the DVD player and then, you know, uh, slowly kind of developed into having iPads, but even then iPads weren't that fascinating. Um, it wasn't until probably really for them middle school when things started to kind of get a little bit more advanced and enticing to them. Uh, I guess we had handheld uh, video games, um, Game Boys and stuff like that, that were um, exciting and fun for them, but not to the extent of what we're seeing the addiction patterns with uh, social media and the Mm -hmm. newer technology devices. But it's interesting. I think kind of bringing this full circle with the social dilemma. What's unique about this documentary is all of the folks speaking up now. Mm -hmm. The idea of creating social media, Facebook, Twitter, all these things was to keep people connected, to um, broaden our connections, to uh, reduce the degrees of separation between us and strangers. And so they were out for 
the better good of society. But then things got interesting, right? Then scientists started creating these algorithms that started to feed our social media um, feeds something a little more personal and intrusive. And so I think what is really interesting for all of our listeners that can um, tune into the social dilemma, I really appreciate that we have folks now taking this platform of uh, exposing the, mm-hmm. the, I guess, the more negative, nastier side of social media. And so, like you said, Gretchen, there will be, uh, I think, a pivot. We will see a big change come from this. We just probably all need to kind of band together and figure out what we want that to look like. Yes. But yeah. in the meantime, we're hoping that all of you can use social media in the way it was originally attended for kindness, for updates, to send love, to send good thoughts out into this world, um, to help her also just protect our, our babies, our kids from that um, negativity. And I think if all of us kind of shifted to only posting good things out there and leaving the negative to their support systems of friends, family members, therapists. Uh, you know, I think they would probably get a healthier response and feel a little bit more validated if they felt their own internal love and kindness and caring, then they'll be able to put that out in the world. But next time you go to hit post on something nasty and mean, please know that we care about you and, uh, we care about other people who are going to be witness to that. So before you hit post, rethink how that might impact you negatively and other people negatively if it's not a nice post. But we're here for you guys. We support you guys. Happy social media ing. <laughs> Happy posting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to This Is Hard, our podcast celebrating the hilarious, beautiful, horrific, mysterious, untold, unspoken, disgusting, and amazing adventures of becoming and being a parent. Brought to you by Misty White, Gretchen Levy, and me, Danan Moore. To learn more about This Is Hard, our podcast, follow our organization, Parenting Naked Collaborative, on the web at parentingnaked.com, on Facebook or Instagram at Parenting Naked. Thank you, and until next time, be well.